This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Today, the Biden administration considers litigation against GOP governors who sent migrants to Democrat cities. Facebook partnered with the FBI to spy on Americans' private messages. And Don Lamont denies he has been demoted over at CNN. We've got all of that and more coming up, and it all starts right now. Welcome to the news and why it matters. Happy Friday. I am Sarah Gonzalez and I am joined by Blaze TV contributors, both Eric July, who is founder and owner of Ripiverse Comics and John Doyle, who is host of Heck Off Commie. Eric, are you still, po- you subscribe to John. Okay, by the way. But are you still posting any Man, content it's been on a, I mean, I, I've been bad with it. That's yeah, when, I mean, when you become a millionaire, no, it's, it's hard to find time to post. Like, even this, like, I'm only wearing our material because yeah. I was at the warehouse working. I wore tank tops and stuff. I was like, well, I can't go to the show with, uh, not this show at least, with, with that. So I just, I was like, I need some clothes. All right, well, let's just. Grab our that's own so stuff. Funny. So well, that's why I'm reverse style. I right was going to say, also, you just should be because you I should guess, be promoting guess, your own stuff. I guess that makes sense. Uh, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> so everyone make sure to, uh, to check that out as well. So we discussed yesterday uh, Ron DeSantis' epic move. Of course, Texas Governor Greg Abbott has been doing it as well. Um, but busing these particular migrants, 50 migrants, he sent to Martha's Vineyard. 50, 5 0. I just want to make that clear. Uh, because when I start going over all of the reaction from uh, this community, you may think that they, you know, it's something like Eagle Pass or McAllen or something like that. Five zero, fifty 50 migrants were sent to uh, Martha's Vineyard. And originally, yesterday, we heard, you know, we saw some pictures of the Martha's Vineyard community rallying together and they were grabbing supplies and they were feeding these poor migrants, illegal immigrants, and uh, it didn't take long for the uh, migrants to board buses to Cape Cod. So here it is this morning. The illegal immigrants were turned away. They were deported from Martha's Vineyard. That is a fascinating, fascinating uh, update to this story. I guess it just turned out that in order for the left to find deportation to be uh, an okay thing to do, justified, all we needed to do was make sure that these illegal immigrants showed up in uh, in their backyard. Well, and even some of the like leftists that are upset at that are obviously referring to like immigration law as far as why they have a problem with this. Now all of a sudden they're they're fans of this and well, crossing these uh, migrants across state lines like there's got to be some sort of federal law that's being broken here, which is what they're trying to appeal to now. But no, this is just one of those standard cases of. People that talk about this issue of immigration, definitely when it as it pertains to like demographic changes and different culture, um, like let's say incompatibility, they talk about it from a distance, and it's always been that way. They they don't live in these areas that are usually uh, impacted, so it's one thing for a day or two, but then it goes on, and you're like, okay, this is uncomfortable, or I don't like this, and that 
is to be expected but when you live up definitely when you're up north and you don't really experience it like we do let's say out in texas and really the most i guess eye-opening thing for me was when i was living in, in in south texas and seeing some of that that shift happen i was like all right this is there's something to this certainly here but it's, it's hilarious watching this uh these these folks try to appeal to be it federal law and immigration law now all of a sudden that they they want to enforce um because they don't like those uh folks being anywhere near them but we knew mm-hmm. that well i mean unless they're like cleaning their houses well, or mowing true, their lawns true. or something. Then, then they're okay, but not these. Yeah, they had like 24 hours where they had like a photo op. Yeah. So they could be like, oh my God, we're just like such nice people mm-hmm. over here at Martha's Vineyard. And then immediately after, <laughs> they're like, okay, time to go. And they gave them like clothing, I guess. <laughs> and it's like, what is like some immigrant going to wear a shirt that says, like, you know, Vineyard Vines or like whatever they're wearing <laughs> over there. Or they were like feeding them. But of course, like the food that they were giving them was like American food. So like, you know, highly processed, like sugar cereals or like, oh, I don't know, what do brown people eat? And they're just like giving them like total crap, not like actual nutritious and healthy food. And then once they like, you know, played homemaker, then they were like, okay, now it's probably time to go out of there. So I like that instance of it because I like it when people I don't like are upset. But I'm not in love with the whole idea of like playing ping pong with immigrants and stuff. What I wish would have happened was I wish that Ron DeSantis would actually have bust them back to Texas to tell Greg Abbott, like, hey, this is your problem. You're the governor of the state that's, you know, has the most of these people coming in other than Arizona and New Mexico. Like, why don't you do something about this? But that probably wouldn't have been good for uh, either of their, you know, sort of. What I would like is if he just bust them all the way back through Texas, all the way back across the border. Yeah. Where they came from and said, well, it's your problem, Mexico, because you're the ones who let them through uh, to begin with. So I, I want to there's more to unpack here with this border saga. But I want to show you uh, there are some a Facebook group that was all Martha's Vineyard community members. And uh, there was a gentleman on Twitter who was screenshotting these comments, these uh, conversations. And just I mean, it is amazing the level of the, the lack of self-awareness, I should say, that these people have. Here's a good old Carol who says, I can't believe they delivered these poor people to one of the most expensive places to live. My heart goes out to them and to the islanders that will have to do some serious work here. The only good is that they at least will be treated with kindness on the island for, of course, the less than 24 hours that they stay there. How I can't, that's so mean of them to send these poor people to a really nice area, this really remote place where they have great scenery and great, that's horrible. Uh, here's Deb who said uh, that there's a, they, they set up a GoFundMe. There's a fund that's going to be set up to help some of the Venezuelans get transport to family members in other states and for anything else they may need, which, of course, means get them the hell out of our uh, city. We don't want them here. Here is, uh, let's see, Leslie, who says these immigrants were meant to be sent in Boston where social services had been contacted and were preparing for their arrival. And uh, Lindsay responds, why not keep them? Show the world what opening your home looks like, eye for an eye. And Leslie says the wonderful Martha Vineyard, Martha's Vineyard community has welcomed them with open arms. Oh, except they're already gone. So that was short-lived. Um, so look, I, I, wanna, I wanna unpack here. Eric, you mentioned, oh, here, okay, here's one more. Uh, Deborah, do you need anyone to help in the evenings? Where can clothing be given to them? Can we just come and give them nice clothing? I, as John pointed out, that's not gonna, it's not gonna solve that. Yeah, like, I mean, can we just dump our secondhand clothes on that? I mean, do they want, like, I can give them something Gucci, and then can I just wipe my hands of it and feel like my conscience is clear? We helped them, we helped those poor little immigrants. Now they can, 
run along, go somewhere else, yeah, please. They don't have the knowledge or probably even the inclination to like maintain like, you know, nicer quality leather goods or clothing. And secondly, too, they're probably just going to like fight over it. Like if they recognize the brand, they might just like get into some sort of uh, altercation and over it. And then it's like, what, what really was solved there? Yeah, that's that's actually a great point. Um, so I want to, Eric, you mentioned the problem in these border towns, in these border communities that just it seems like all of these leftist elitists have not yet recognized. I want to play video from uh, Fox. They flew a night drone over Eagle Pass, Texas, which caught thermal imaging of immigrants crossing into Eagle Pass this morning. Now, within two hours, they saw three large groups totaling 500 plus crossing illegally into three different spots. That is just within two hours. Uh, and there have been 450,000 plus illegal crossings in that, just in that particular sector so far this year. Even then, Corinne uh, Jean-Pierre was asked yesterday about whether she thinks voters feel like they're being lied to about the border being secure. And she, again, attempted to blame the Trump administration for the crisis. Now, remember, this is the same Trump administration who had the return to Mexico policy that Joe Biden completely reversed, as all of, other, all of the other Trump policies. Um, and Corinne Jean-Pierre says, no, it, look, this is, this is Trump's crisis. Watch. Isn't there some risk, though, that voters might feel like they're being lied to when you are seeing images of, you know, in El Paso, they've released a thousand migrants on the street because the processing centers are overwhelmed there. You know, how is that humane? How is that safe, as you guys talk about so often, when it's it's overwhelming border cities and, and they're asking the, the Biden administration to reimburse them for charter buses to get them out of the area because they're they're totally overwhelmed. So again, it is a broke a, a broken system, the immigration system, and it was um, it was decimated by the last administration. That is a fact. It was decimated by the last administration. Uh, what the last administration wanted was a border wall that was ineffective. Which I wonder why then the Biden administration quietly uh, continued construction of the border wall if it was so ineffective. Uh, Karine Jean-Pierre later in this particular uh, press conference shifted blame to Texas Governor Ted Cruz. Watch. Republican governors interfering in that process and using migrants as political pawns is, uh, is shameful, pause. is reckless and just plain wrong. And remember, these are people who are fleeing communism, who are fleeing hardship. And if these governors truly care about uh, border security, they should ask Texas Governor Ted Cruz and Florida Senators Marco Rubio and Rick Scott why they voted against the president's request for record, record funding for the Department of Homeland Security. I think this is news to Ted Cruz, who had no idea that he was Texas governor this whole time. Sorry about that, Greg Abbott. Um, it's just so frustrating to hear these people. You heard it from Karine Jean-Pierre. Uh, you heard it from, I believe, Whoopi Goldberg and uh, so many people in the mainstream media that these, these poor people are being used as political pawns. And it's like, yes, they've been used as political pawns by you guys for decades upon decades. That is true. If let, Let's agree on that. They are political pawns. You guys are the ones who decided to use them as a bargaining chip and promise them the sun, the moon, and the stars if they would just walk illegally across the border. And now you're forced to have to suffer the consequences of your own policies and your own advocacies. Yes, they are political pawns. You're the ones who created that game. 
No, that, that's, that's so true. My thing about this, and I guess this is the more interesting, I think I talked about this last time I, I was here, or rather the last time we had discussed uh, the, the whole immigration thing, and that it, it frustrates me because so many folks, we, we discuss this issue of immigration. I mean, libertarians often, fellow libertarians, get this, get this wrong as well because a lot of them are Beltway and they're up there in D.C. and they have no idea what's going on. My biggest thing is, definitely as a libertarian who wants some form of, some form of voluntarism, I don't like the idea of, of, of creating conflict, right? And that's what the, the part where, again, leftists know they get it wrong. Libertarians, unfortunately, a lot of them are naive on this subject matter because they haven't ever experienced it. Even if we set aside whether it be the the morality of, of immigration in itself, whether you let someone cross this line or versus uh, not, the cultural part is the part that, that I differ from. And that's where you have people that are culturally incompatible. I've never agreed with this idea of kumbaya, everybody's the same, everybody's, uh, you know, can get along just fine. That is simply not true. It has never been true. And I say this as a person that grew up in South Dallas where, and I don't know if y'all did this, where y'all was from, black folk and Mexican folks had a fight at the beginning of the year where we would just beef and nobody knew why. It was the blacks versus Mexicans fight in South Dallas, Oak Cliff area. Now, I'm not saying that this is what this is to that degree. I'm just showing that when you have a culture shock, which is historically happened, this has happened all across the world or, or across humanity, where you have this huge influx of people of a certain demographic, it doesn't mean that they hate each other. They may be just culturally incompatible. And in that well, you definitely you force them, which is why the whole open border, which is basically government mm -hmm. letting people in um, or not even them. They more so bust people in. Definitely when you consider like the refugee program, that's literally what it does. This isn't some free form of immigration. No, it's the government saying, hey, and we're going to use your taxpayer dollars to do this. But they do that. And what happens out of that, even if it manifests, if it's one of those things that have to marinate, you are going to create conflict because those cultures are incompatible. How do you deal with that? There's not a law or anything that they're going to put in place that is going to deal with that problem. It's just the people that are in those geographical areas. And I encourage you all to talk to folks that are especially in South Texas, people that are also uh, in often cases Hispanic that live there that have to deal with this bull crap and, and see it, you know, firsthand. It's a fundamental problem, and I hate that the way they talk about immigration, what it does is it encourages uh, that conflict, and everybody loses there. Yeah, John. I think that's a fantastic set of points that he just made. I mean, like, virtually, like, until, I think, 1990 or even 19, uh, 1965, I should say, this country was biracial. Like, we had white people and we had black people. That's always been the history of this country. And all the immigration that happened through, you know, Ellis Island and up until 1965 was from, like, Northern Europe and Western Europe. And th those cultures are much uh, more easily able to assimilate to American culture than people coming from Latin America. And we're taught, and these people really do believe, that their culture can be reduced to, like, that which can be sold to you at a street festival. So like Hispanic culture is just, you know, the, the music yeah. and the dancing and the food, food and yeah. the art. And it's like, okay, well, when you get into attitudes about things like, you know, family and religion mm -hmm. and work ethic and, you know, how countries ought to be structured, it's like you're literally importing 60 million people from Latin America since 1965. And you look at the way that those countries function. And now our country is starting to kind of look like that. And we're like scratching our heads. Like, why did this happen? Like virtually all of our population growth since 1965, which is when we had the heart cell immigration act which i think uh 
Ted Kennedy called the greatest gift to the Democrat Party uh, from JFK. Like all of our population growth has been from immigration. So the country's starting to feel less like America because it is less like America. You know, you go into Hispanic communities or you go into Indian communities or Asian communities, you're not seeing like, you know, white picket fences and apple pie, but then replaced with maybe the picket fences painted in, in a way that's more appropriate with their art style or instead of an apple pie, it's like, you know, who was it that recently called that like compared them to tacos or something? Oh, yeah. Joe Biden, breakfast yeah, tacos? Something like that. Instead of a, an apple pie's breakfast tacos, it looks like Mexico. And it looks like India. And then you just have these side, uh, this kind of like archipelago of these different communities within America. And that's just not conducive to like having an actual cohesive national identity. Yeah, uh, I couldn't agree more with both of you. Um, and I know I know we got to take a break. But just to uh, to wrap this particular topic up, Gavin Newsom has asked uh, the D DOJ, the Department of Justice, to consider kidnapping charges after all of these, after the GOP governors have uh, shipped their illegal immigrants out of state. And Joe Biden has also, the Biden administration is meeting today to consider litigation options against Republican governors sending illegal immigrants from the border to Democrat cities. By the way, I just want to, just just to, uh, just a reminder, these Democrat cities, uh, I'm not sure about Martha's Vineyard, but all of these, you know, Chicago, New York City, uh, these other places, they haven't said we are sanctuary cities. So the Republican governors literally are just shipping these people to the places who have said, we will help you. We want you here. Please come. Oh, we didn't think you'd actually do it. Uh, so we will continue to keep you updated on that. Uh, we got to take a quick break. First, we want to thank our sponsor, Bonner Wines. So you guys, if you guys have not yet tried these extreme altitude wines from Bonner Wines, you have to to order them, all right? This is, uh, they've got a bunch of Malbecs, and the thing that's different about their wines is number one, you're not gonna have all the gross chemicals and dyes and stuff that they typically include in all of those store-bought wines uh, that you might purchase at the grocery store when you're just out and you're like, oh crap, I need wine for dinner. No, 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 these are made deep in the Andes Mountains. They make a very, very limited quantity, and you wouldn't understand what a difference the extreme altitude makes until you taste one, and then you're gonna be like, oh, now I get it. We've got an amazing offer that we've never had before. If you visit bonnerprivatewines.com slash why, you are not only going to get wine for over 50% off plus free shipping, you're also going to get a bonus bottle of small batch limited production wine from their exclusive wine cellar. That is four bottles for the price of three. It is the best deal we've ever offered. You got to go there now. It is bonnerprivatewines.com slash why to claim that bonus bottle. That is bonnerprivatewines.com slash why. Uh, prosecutors have scrutinized former FBI special agent Charles McGonigal, who was appointed to run the counterintelligence division of the FBI field office in New York City. This was back in October of 2016. He was key in the launch of the FBI operation Crossfire Hurricane, which was, if you guys don't recall, uh, the Trump's camp. They were alleging the Trump's campaign ties to Russia. That was what uh, all that was about. I know it's hard because like you get all of your corrupt FBI operations confused. And so I just wanted to, just as a, a brief reminder there, so prosecutors were scrutinizing his alleged dealings with a top aide to Russian 
oligarch Deripaska, and he was one of the first, McGonagall was one of the first FBI officials to hear allegations that a Trump campaign official had told an Australian diplomat that the Russians had damaging information on Hillary Clinton. The allegations were later to be believed about the WikiLeaks hack of the Democratic National Committee, which, of course, released emails from the Clinton campaign as well. Um, also, while McGonagall was in D.C., the Bureau began receiving briefings from Christopher Steele, former British uh, spy Christopher Steele, who we all know, the Steele dossier, the infamous Steele dossier, uh, on reports he was drafting that would eventually become what we know as the now discredited Steele dossier. On October 4th, 2016, the FBI announced that then-director James Comey had promoted McGonagall to head the counterintelligence division in the New York City field office. So again, we hear more and more about all of these people within the FBI who have these ties. To, I mean, we just reported earlier this week that the FBI was paying, paying an informant who they believed previously to have ties to Russia. They weren't really sure. Then he gave them information that they knew was false. And after those two things happened, they decided that they would make him a paid confidential human source uh, to spy on Donald Trump. Now we're hearing again this other guy who was involved in Crossfire Hurricane scrutinized over alleged Russia ties. It's, gee, it's almost like they're the baddies. Well, I mean, well, they're just doing what they accuse everybody else uh, certainly of doing. I don't, this whole FBI, it's not just with the FBI, and I'm not saying this is as a, you know, a libertarian. I just don't understand the the appeal or why, let me say this. I don't understand why there isn't some, especially after this kind of full-fledged, very aggressive um, approach by way of these uh, Republicans, if you will, to get these organizations or institutions, whatever you want to call them, eliminated. Because it's every given turn, it seems like they're actively working against you mm -hmm. um, and then lying about it. And then like saying like, hey, what are you going to do about it? Like, yeah, we lied and or we're spying on you or we're, we're uh, kind of uh, playing one side of the fence here. Who cares? What are you going to do about it? And then, you know, it kind of it's in the news for a little bit. And maybe some one senator will say, all right, maybe it shouldn't be there. And then we just kind of move on. I'm like. I don't know. I, 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 ten four hat. I think they're all in on it. But seriously, I don't understand why there isn't some aggressive, aggressive kind of approach by way of the uh, especially senators and members of the House that are uh, Republicans to try to like legitimately get get rid of this. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's crazy how much money we waste, like literally giving it to people who are just going to use it against us. Whereas I found this, I didn't know this because I don't really know a whole lot, but I found out that the operating budget of ICE is eight billion dollars annually. That's like one-fifth of what we gave to Ukraine, and only 30% of that actually made it to where it was supposed to go. Eight billion dollars. Can you imagine? And four billion for the wall. And then can you imagine we like double, triple the budget? We could actually have like mass deportations. We could actually have like a competent militarized border that was actually secure and sealed. But instead, we just go piss it away, literally, on like, you know, all these other countries, all of these bureaucracies that are just going to investigate pillow salesmen. And we tell ourselves that like this is why Washington crossed the Delaware. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so speaking of uh, the FBI and all of these alphabet agencies that just need to be completely 
uh, I don't know, like just set it on fire and burn it all down. And then maybe we can figure out if we want to even rebuild it. But uh, in the Mar-a-Lago saga yesterday, federal district judge Eileen Cannon denied two requests that the Department of Justice had made last Thursday. First, that the DOJ be allowed to resume reviewing allegedly classified documents seized by the FBI in its August 8th Mar-a-Lago raid. And second, that no neutral third party be brought on to vet these same documents. Uh, she said the court does not find it appropriate to accept the government's conclusions on these important and disputed issues without further review by a neutral third party in an expedited and orderly fashion. It's just interesting because you're, as you're watching this play out and you're watching the Trump team push and push and push for an independent investigation. The Trump team uh, alleged that certain things were mishandled, that the FBI did not, uh, you know, follow through with this appropriately or legally. And then you watch the DOJ's actions. And, you know, you would think if you were dealing with a, a transparent agency that was telling the truth, they wouldn't continue to try to block all of these attempts at an inv independent investigation, uh, all of these attempts to make sure that everything was legally done. And so... You know, it just makes you wonder um, who is telling the truth in this. But at least for now, veteran federal judge Raymond Deary has been named special master in this particular case. So he will review all of these documents seized in uh, in the FBI search on Mar-a-Lago. Um, so, look, I, I don't know much about this judge and I hadn't I have not had a chance to, to dig into the details um, before the time of this taping. I will say Jenna Ellis we all know, is a very, very close confidant of Donald Trump. I did see an interview with her where she said, this is a great pick, this is a great match. We're very pleased with the pick of uh, Judge Raymond Deary. So, gentlemen, your thoughts? <laughs> I, I mean, I figured, I'd figure if it was something that was, you know, they were really going to get him on, something would have already been done. I don't know if mm -hmm. it's just a kind of smoke and mirrors kind of situation here where we're like, hey, we just want to try to derail maybe any sort of effort of him running again. I don't know what exactly. Uh, well, let me, so let me give you a, an analogy here. Yeah. Ken Paxton here in Texas, mm -hmm. he was indicted how many years ago? And people still keep using it. As yeah. It's like, yeah. right, yeah. he's been indicted for how many years and nobody's done anything yeah. yet. Why do you think that is? Yeah, I, and that's what I'm thinking. We're going to have another case of that. And it's like, hey, they can continue to mention that, mm -hmm. hey, this thing happened or this raid happened. And therefore, that means you're criminal. But that if they you haven't necessarily acted upon that, what does that actually uh, amount to? Well, really nothing. It's more of optics. And that's what I will give uh, leftists particularly, whether they're using the government or not, they're very, very good at that part of, of it because it's not necessarily about truth or, or reason or logic or facts. Or who, no, they don't really care about that. It's more, how does this look to the stupid people that we're trying to appeal to? Mm -hmm. John, that's weird. Uh, I think that they're probably just trying to put pressure on the GOP to, I want to use the word cuck, uh, to... to <laughs> Yeah, to cuck on Trump and to be like, oh, you know, we need somebody less problematic, you know, if he's indicted. But if he's indicted, I mean, that's just going to help his martyr status. That's going to just further aggrandize the base, make that. them double down, because there's a certain conversation that one has to have with oneself before they decide to, like, support Donald Trump. And you have to just kind of make the concession of, like, okay, look, this guy is, like, you know, a billionaire Playboy reality TV star. He's not exactly going to be the cleanest whistle. However, he's the man who can get things done, or at least can lead people in the right direction. And 
you know, people say that, you know, oh, DeSantis is a better governor than Trump. George Bush was a better governor than Trump. I mean, you know, that doesn't exactly, I think what's important is like who's a leader. And because of Donald Trump descending the golden escalator, he broke through what was a virtual consensus for decades of what the right was talking about. The only reason we're talking about the things that we are now is because of Donald Trump. And for that reason alone, I think that he's still the guy. All right. Well, we've got uh, we've got more to come. First, we want to thank our sponsor, Sweatblock. So Sweatblock is there for those of you who maybe get a little sweaty, like maybe a little bit too sweaty under the arms. And then you have the embarrassing wet spots under your arms and uh, you just don't like going out in public because it's really awkward and embarrassing. You got to try the Sweatblock wipes. They are applied at night and they will protect you from all of that embarrassing sweat for up to seven days. I know it works. Let me tell you why. Because my husband is one of those very sweaty people under the arms, and he has been using them. He was using them. He started in the middle of Texas summer, and I saw the difference. He saw the difference, and uh, look, he has been saved uh, from those embarrassing stains. So you got to also try the deodorant stick. It's all really great. You can get it all today for 20% off over at sweatblock.com with promo code NEWS. That is sweatblock.com, promo code NEWS. Pete Buttigieg appeared on CNBC this morning and was asked why the administration has been celebrating inflation reduction. You recall uh, earlier Joe Biden celebrated the passing of the Inflation Reduction Act, which actually they haven't said how it reduces inflation. And all of the reports that have come out have shown that it does nothing to actually uh, reduce inflation right now. Um, And so he was asked, why are you guys celebrating inflation reduction while so many Americans are out there suffering? Watch. What you're telling me, so just stick to the script. The economy is great. The border is secure. Our cities are safe. Wouldn't it be no one's better, pretending wouldn't all it be better to just be honest? Wouldn't it be better to just be honest with the American people about the soup that we're in right now? And, and we can all try to deal with it together instead no, of no, just... Nobody's saying, that our, nobody's saying we don't have any problems. But if you don't pause and recognize the meaning of one of the most significant pieces of legislation so far in the 21st century, just because we also have a lot of other problems we're contending with as a country, then, then I think you're, you're really feeding into a narrative that's that's, uh, pulling America down and holding America back. All right, look, Pocket Pete, um, here's the thing. So if you guys recall, whenever they were talking about this Inflation Reduction Act, before they actually ended up passing it, they kept being asked, what is this going to do to reduce inflation? And the only answer that they could provide was some sort of spun narrative about climate change and how this was going to help make things more green, how they were going to get more electric, you know, electric cars, uh, electric powered uh, items, because the entire thing was about green energy and not actually about reducing inflation. And now, of course, we have Pete Buttigieg telling you, you know, don't don't believe your eyes and ears. Believe me, because I know better than you. They historically have done this where they will title a bill or whatever it is in in a way that stupid people, particularly Americans, will look at that and say, well, if you don't support that or you don't want your representative to then go support this, then you must be against this thing. (laughs) Affordable Care Act. Exactly Mm -hmm. that. uh, Or Mm -hmm. this anti-lynching bill. Mm -hmm. Lynching Mm -hmm. is already illegal uh, in this country. You want to be against And and they put all of this stuff in these bills. Often has nothing to do with it. To be fair, that's with every bill, no matter what it is. They always throw stuff in it, spending money, lining up uh, the pockets of themselves and certainly their, their cronies. But yeah, to be honest with the American people would tell them that, hey, 
Well, there ain't nothing that we could do in terms of what we're passing unless it's going to be abolishing of the uh, <laughs> be it the Federal Reserve or anything like that, which they're not going to. That's not even on the table. Um, it, it, and, and I don't this is the part, I guess I don't want to be doom and gloom, but, you know, people are going to look at this. And how can you as an American see your prices of virtually everything going in the direction that they're going in? after even something like that's passed, but just see that it's going in the direction that they're going in and still believe some idiot paying lip service to some bill saying that, well, it's going to then fix the problem. And I don't want to believe, because I don't think, to be fair, I've actually talked to people, I've talked to many dumb people, make, make no mistake, mistake, but not someone that thinks, hey, passing this bill is it going to make your money, which is basically we're talking about inflation reduction. You're talking about your money going a longer way. You having uh, increased some sort of set of a uh, uh, buying power. Do you actually believe that? I haven't personally uh, uh, spoke with anybody that believes that, but I have to believe that there are actually people that are. And that's the scary part. Yeah, I agree. John. I also, I don't like the way he framed it as like, of course, the country has problem. Like as if mm -hmm. this were just day to day problems. Like if it were a house, you know, uh, we need a new hot water heater. Yeah. Uh, you know, damn it. You know, Timmy put his foot through the drywall, just stuff like this. You're talking about like the house is on fire and it's also being shot at and robbed at the same time. Like this is like not good. Any metric by which you would try to measure like a civilization that you would want to live in and raise a family in, we're like going way down. And it's because of their policies. And I'm young enough to where, you know, I've always kind of thought about like liberals are dumb. They don't know how to do anything. But I was kind of like in the back of my mind, like, what if I'm wrong? And then you see it all play out when you have the most liberal administration in the country's history and you're, you know, kind of like smug about it. But then it's also like you want to cry because it's like everything's <laughs> going down the toilet. So it's bittersweet. Yeah, I am. Um, so I'm a little bit afraid to bring this next one up because I'm afraid Eric's head is going to explode. But uh, during a speech yesterday, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen said that, quote, adequately funding the IRS is core to our success. She was, of course, referring to the Biden administration's effort to provide the IRS with an additional $80 billion raise and, of course, the hiring of 87,000 new IRS agents. She said it raises the revenue for us to make important investments in our economic strength. It makes sure that all Americans are playing by the same rules. It avoids misallocation of resources in the economy at large, and it does so by deterring taxpayers from shifting their activities towards more opaque sources or engaging in tax evasion. First of all, tax evasion is a, a very noble cause. Um, not saying that I would do it uh, here on TV. I'd never do that. Um, but tax evasion, as well as tax avoidance, whatever you want to call it, uh, is a very noble thing because you're not giving your money to a bunch of uh, warmongering criminals um, that spend it frivolously and just you know piss and piss the money away, as we were talking about in the last segment. This is something that really. I was close. This is something that for <laughs> sure for sure aggravates me. And I say this as a man that has now crossed into a new mm -hmm. tax bracket. Mm -hmm. And I'm looking at like the fact that they are investing all this money in people that, of course, are going to come try to criminalize me or uh, it's a stick up effectively and trying to get me for as much money as they possibly can. And for them to try to word it in a way that. Somehow it helps the regular person or helps American people is absolute nonsense. If you actually wanted to help the American people, you first of all, you quit your job, light the IRS on fire, get the hell up out of there. Actually, no, stay in there because that's where you belong. Jetta Yellen's one of the biggest criminals uh, in, in, in this country has certainly ever seen, along with everybody else in terms of uh, being the IRS or the Federal Reserve or all those quacks. But seriously, like when I look at uh, I'm making the dollars make sense when I'm making business decisions. And a lot of my business decisions are 
How do I get more people to help me make more money? These are good paying jobs for individuals that want those good paying jobs. Mm -hmm. Well, I can't justify that spending if I'm being stolen from mm -hmm. more. And that's the, the where the suddenly the broke leftist doesn't will never understand it. But there's also these folks that consider themselves as part of the upper echelon of society that act as if that the economy is some sort of thing that they could try to manipulate uh, and, and like talking about you know, transparency and opaqueness and oh, having people incentivized to go to this side of the market. That's all nonsense. If you actually wanted to help American people, quit. John. He's right. Honestly. Oh, no. He's, Don't die on me, man. Yeah. He's right. Are you about to cry? No, it was beautiful, but it's true. You, you can't tax a nation into prosperity. And if you look at, like, you know, we always talk about, you know, the 1950s or whatever, they weren't paying taxes. Like, and they'll say, oh, the top tax break was, like, 90%. The effective tax rate was, like, more or less the same. No one was ever getting taxed 90% exactly. in the higher incomes. That's just ridiculous. And, yeah, even if you look, and I would love to see, like, a, a right-wing think tank come out with this figure. Maybe it exists and I just haven't seen it. But, like, the amount that even like a reasonable person in terms of like, okay, well, we probably do have to pay for that. Not even getting into like, you know, my roads and things like that. <laughs> but uh, like how much is weight? I would bet that it's over 50% is just pissed away. Like not even that the average American's not going to see in their day to day, probably even their lifetime, that, that money ever actually working for them. I would bet that it's never even seen because half of it is just gone. I would say probably on open, like even if I conceded, like from a menarchist standpoint, military, uh, uh, even if I gave you your punk ass roads or anything, <laughs> any, any, if, even if I gave you that, if we sat up there and said, OK, this money is going to be reserved to take care of those things you said we just absolutely have to have, it would not come on the upwards of multiple trillions of dollars that they spend yearly. So it's being peed away no matter how, how where you uh, are at on a political spectrum, it's still being peed away. And I feel feel like that should frustrate anybody, no matter where you're at, as I'm dropping He's all stuff. That's just what the IRS that got me doing, throwing <laughs> stuff all over the damn set. Uh, <laughs> all right. If you are watching this on uh, YouTube, you may want to switch over to Police TV for this next block. We are talking about Facebook spying on private messages about the 2020 election and the conversation might not be safe for YouTube. We'll see you there. This is a lot of information, but it, it all is very, very important for you to hear. So according to sources within the Department of Justice, Facebook has been spying on the private messages and data of American users and reporting them to the FBI if they express anti-government or anti-authority sentiments or question the 2020 election. So uh, under this FBI operation, someone at Facebook would red flag these uh, subversive, supposedly private messages um, and then transmit them in redacted form to the Domestic Terrorism Operational Unit at FBI headquarters without a subpoena. It was done outside of the legal process and without probable cause, according to someone speaking on condition of anonymity. Facebook provides the FBI with private conversations which are protected by the First Amendment without any subpoena. And then, of course, the private messages have been farmed out as leads to FBI field offices around the country, which would subsequently request subpoenas from the uh, U.S. Attorney's Office in their district to officially obtain the private conversations that Facebook had already, in fact, 
shown them. Uh, the Facebook users whose private communications Facebook had red flagged as domestic terrorism were all, quote, conservative right-wing individuals, end quote, from one of the sources. They say they were gun-toting red-blooded Americans who were angry after the election and shooting off their mouths and talking about staging protests. There was nothing criminal, nothing about violence or massacring or assassinating anyone. Oh, FBI has really led the led the show, huh? And all the stuff, the weird I feel like the last couple weeks. Yeah, true. That, that's very true. Look, face, it's kind of weird how if you look into some of these like terms of service and some of these laws, even like with, your, with the information, the data that they have on you. I mean, it's technically all these companies that are raw, they get your data, they sell it off. But definitely when you're dealing with government, some of that stuff isn't necessarily uh, uh, legal, but I feel like they'll still... Uh, cer certainly do that. I know I have to be on multiple lists. If it, if the requirement was just anti-government and anti-authority uh, sentiments, I've expressed a whole hell of a lot of those. Oh, we're all going uh, to uh, the yeah, yeah. I, we, I don't know how many. I guess that's more of the accurate question. How many lists? Uh, man, I have to be on there. I haven't oh. got visited, at least not to my knowledge. Yeah, not yet. True. Maybe one outside. Don't, don't yeah. Know. Don't invite them, John. <laughs> I think people should just get off Facebook, honestly. Like it's It's know. not just Facebook though. It wasn't? Well, I'm saying I'm just saying generally speaking, we've heard this I mean, it's all of social media. Um and and the FBI is coming after all of us. Well, and got, if not the FBI, then Joe Biden himself. So, somebody. Yeah, I mean they're they're all like you are you have been completely dehumanized by the party in power. That is true. I was kicked off Twitter, which is an egregious human, probably the greatest political tragedy of the 21st century so far, uh, me getting kicked off Twitter. But I mean, it's just unfortunate because we it's hard for, I think, the right to uh, conceptualize the tyranny that we live under because it's not operating under the, the badge of necessarily like, you know, this big government with like a swastika or the hammer and sickle. It's like this this ideological tyranny that has tentacles in all of the institutions. And just because those institutions wear the banner of Facebook and Twitter and things like that, instead of just like, you know, the uh, you know Ministry of Truth, so to speak, or like you know the United States of America official Twitter platform, like because it's not necessarily affiliated directly with government, I think it's hard for us to realize that like it's still the same. You know the way that uh, they're intercepting your private communications now because you're doing it voluntarily on their platform would be the same as like you know the secret police and the Soviets uh, listening in on your phone calls because you were doing it on you know the state company's uh, telephone communication line things like that, and it's still violating your rights, but it's just in a way that I think is hard for us to detect sometimes. Uh, well, don't worry, because Facebook has denied these allegations, although gave a couple of conflicting statements. The first one was uh, that uh, these claims are false because they reflect a misunderstanding of how our systems protect people from harm. The second statement, which was completely unprompted, uh, she altered, the Facebook spokesperson altered her language to say these claims are, quote, wrong, not false. Just, I don't know. Very curious why you would update that and uh, make sure to tell people that their policy is designed to protect people from harm. Uh, all right, we've got uh, we've got some more to come, and uh, we'll take a break. We'll be right back. Yesterday, we brought to you the story of uh, Don Lamont, of course, CNN host Don Lemon, who um, I would say got quite the demotion because they are canceling his primetime show and uh, putting him on a morning show that gets not a lot of views. Oh, and by the way, with two other broadcasters, two other CNN hosts. But 
he went on his show to say, look, this is not, it's not a demotion. I'm actually very excited about it. And uh, it's, in fact, it's a promotion. Watch. This is not someone moving me. And by the way, this is not someone saying, you must move to the right, Don Lemon. You must not be so, um, give so much of your perspective. None of that has happened. All of that is fodder for Twitter, which is not real. Mm. So stop it. I was not demoted. None of that. This is an opportunity. This is a promotion. This is, this is um, an opportunity for me to create something around me. And I get to work with two great ladies. I, I feel like his show, Don Lemon, was uh, an opportunity to create something around him. And as it turns out, he sucks. So nobody liked it. Look, CNN right now, uh, for those of you that guys that don't know, uh, Zaslav, who is now this kind of the CEO with Warner, kind of selling off AT and T, selling off their assets, um, their entertainment assets. Assets that was kind of included, and now you have this big merger with uh, Discovery or Warner Discovery or whatever it's called. And there's been a lot of shaking and moving. I don't think it's less about hey, or as much about the woke stuff. I think it's more just hey, maybe internal politics of just hey, company changes power. But there is a change. There absolutely is a shift. And we knew that coming into it when they were talking specifically about CNN. We remember the cancellation of uh, what CNN Plus or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, it was uh, Stelter's out of there. Um, as well as just the, the they talked about kind of having it be geared more so towards news. And I do think a lot of that had to do with you guys don't even once upon a time, CNN, I'm not going to say that it was ever in the center. No, but it, it used to not try to pretend or rather it, it at least pretended, let's say it was in the center. Now it's like, yeah, we're just basically MSNBC 2.0 right. is effectively what, what CNN is right now. So there's a lot of shaking and moving. And I'm interested to see what kind of happens out out of that. Yeah, John. Yeah, his, uh, his little monologue there, we refer to that in the industry as coping and seething, as getting <laughs> BTFO'd. And also, from what I know about Don Lemon, I mean, the whole, I get to work alongside two lovely ladies. It's probably the first time he's ever excited to be around women. But also, the, the thing is, is like, Tucker Carlson's the most popular news host in the country, and he's also the farthest right. So when mm -hmm. you don't have your airports, I guess, you know, see how the ratings really work out Absolutely, for you. and it'll be interesting to see how long he lasts there, because it True feels that. like a very slow descent into just being fired, which couldn't happen to a, a more deserving person. We'll see you Monday. Stream and subscribe to more Blaze Media content at theblaze.com slash podcasts.